Happy Monday, kitty cats, and welcome back to the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast. Before we get into today's interview, I want to remind you about our awesome friends at the North Spokane Hemp Company. You can find them at NorthSpokaneCBD.com for all your CBD needs. And I can now say I have utilized these products myself, and uh, they've got some great stuff there. They have some amazing tinctures, uh, whether you're looking to relax, whether you're looking to focus more, concentrate more, uh, they have something for everything. They, you know, And CBD can help with so many issues, joint pain, uh, if you're having trouble sleeping. This is not medical advice, I should say. Not medical advice at all. But I am relating my own experience with the fine products from the North Spokane Hemp Company. And if that weren't enough, you can get 15% off your order by using discount code LIONS at checkout. And if that's not enough for you, free shipping for every order over $50. And if you need one more reason to get your CBD through the North Spokane Hemp Company, company is libertarian owned. So you're helping a libertarian business, helping the libertarian cause by making your purchases that way. So please do head over to NorthSpokaneCBD.com and use discount code LIONS at checkout. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right, Liberty Kitty Cats, my guests today are the co-hosts of Wealth Without Wall Street, a podcast and community where they teach people how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and create their own wealth. I'm very pleased to welcome Russ, the idea guy, Morgan, and Joey, the Italian stallion, Mure. Gentlemen, are you ready to roar? Meow. Man, well, being, a, being an Auburn grad, that was a weak meow, but absolutely. Let's, let's do, do it. All right, gentlemen. And uh, I am super stoked to have you guys on today because one thing I, I've been trying to do a bit more with the podcast is to break outside of the uh, the strictly philosophical arena and try to provide my listeners with some tools to actually make themselves more free in all areas of life. And of course, a big one of those is the financial area. Financial freedom is so important uh, for all of us to be able to pursue our dreams and, and sort of be free of the Jackals of all the institutions and uh, government programs and such that sort of keep us down. So I'm excited to dive into your ideas a little bit, but first I want to get to know you guys a little bit more. So why don't you just tell me a bit about your story? Um, Russ, you're the idea guy, so why don't, why don't we start with you? Give us a bit of your background and how, how you guys came into this idea of the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Yeah, no, thank you again for having us on the show. This is a lot of fun to, to talk about because we definitely talk theory a lot. We get behind the scenes and and freedom is a big part of what we do and how we do it. But it, to be honest, my story starts with not a whole lot of freedom. I, I was literally following the typical financial uh, stratosphere. I was going down the path. I got my certified financial planning designation, which meant I meant I learned a lot of things that were already about 10 years out of date when I was reading it. And <laughs> another time I was bringing it to market, it was really bad information. Shortly thereafter, the 2008 market crash happened and it really helped me find um, a little bit of um, kind of self-respect, uh, introspection as to what I was doing and, and was I really helping people or was I really just following a herd? And I happened to be at a financial conference where somebody was talking about how people could use a concept called becoming your own banker. Talk about freedom, right? The one thing in, in this world that really holds us back a lot of times is the financing structures and uh, our limitations to be able to break out. And I heard this man talk. He was in in his time in the late 70s. And I, I started down this path to figuring out how I could uh, implement that in my own life. And then I started teaching my clients. And ultimately, I met Joey and 
kind of the rest is history where we built Wealthwell Wall Street. Joey, what about you? How did you uh, kind of, uh, what was your background like leading up to meeting up with Russ and starting this whole shebang? Yeah, so I was uh, on the side of getting people into as much debt as possible. I was the guy that was signing uh, signing people up for mortgages for years and years. And about uh, seven years into that, met Russ and got introduced to this whole idea of becoming your own banker and started implementing them for myself. Because at the time, I was I was in this um, 100% commission job. And I was well paid, but I never knew what the next month even held. And so saving for the future was important, but I really didn't have a firm grasp on ways that that would uh, be possible for me and my family. And I certainly didn't want to continue down the 401k and the the casino of Wall Street because every time somebody sneezed wrong, I lost money and didn't understand why. And I said, wait a minute, there's got to be a better way met Russ, started implementing these things. And four years in, I was shocked at the results we were having. Um, we were saving about four times what we had been saving before. Cash flow never changed, but we were saving that much more. And it, uh, it really afforded me the ability to, even while making over $300,000 uh, a year, I said, wait a minute, I have enough money saved now that I can make a transition to this career um, to help other people implement these same things. And that's when I went to Russ in 2014 and said, Hey man, I think we need to do this. And he said, are you sure? Are you sure? And, um, that's cause he knew I was giving up a lot to do this, but the ability to have impact on people's lives was what was driving me to do this. And, um, so now six years in, we're, we're, you know, helping people all across the country do the same thing. Right. And we're going to dig into that concept uh, about being your own banker, infinite banking. That's this is the stuff that you guys talk about a ton uh, with your program uh, in a bit. But first, I want to just kind of address sort of, I guess, maybe the, the typical playbook, the typical script for how we're sort of uh, told to go about things. We're, we're told we're supposed to sort of go into a bunch of debt and then um, go to college so we can get a degree. We can use that degree to get a job. Uh, when we get that job, we're going to have this awesome thing called a 401k. We get to take a bunch of our money before it gets taxed and uh, put it into this thing and, and you know put it into mutual funds and uh, a lot of people a lot of smart people run those so of course they're going to make wise decisions and help grow our wealth and we do that for about 50 years or so then we retire and everything works out great what exactly is the problem with that model <laughs> well where do we start? is it not that simple or am i oversimplifying <laughs> yeah. well the only thing that you didn't cover in that i think you covered the gamut but i would say the mortgage. I left the mortgage. Well, let's, well you said debt, right? I mean, uh, debt is debt. And we, we, if we step back though, where does it all begin? I, I think it starts from a, just a baby age. Like, so I have four children from the ages of seven to 14. And if you go ask my, my kids something, they're going to repeat something very similar to what I would have said, right? Because they're just following what us as parents are talking about because they're just little sponges. They're just consuming information. Now, in our households, our kids uh, are homeschooled. And so they're hearing that information from us a lot. But past that, then they go out into the school system and they start listening to what their uh, teachers are teaching and what they're talking about. So when, when, when kids learn things, they learn it from a very big, at the very earliest of ages. And then when money's talked about, usually a lot of times money is not talked about in the homes. It's, if it is talked about, it's talked about in a negative sense, right? And so I would say 
what's wrong with most of the thinking out there is that nobody's teaching about money and how it really works. And I think it goes back to most of them have never been taught themselves. Well, and I would, I would add that I believe, I mean, this is maybe a little conspiracy theory, but I believe at the very, Oh, we like that. <laughs> I'm in the right place. Go on. I, I believe, and it's, it's not too far fetched to, to believe that um, we've been programmed ultimately that there are the, the haves that have decided what we need to know and what we don't, because if we, if we just have kind of blind obedience, then we can be controlled. And ultimately, um, if we, what we seek is freedom, we have to think differently because the masses are on a program and it's not for us to actually have the benefit. It's for someone else to uh, create that benefit with our money. And, and that's really what we call the Wall Street mindset. And we talk about extensively on our show. What are some of the biggest misconceptions that people have out there about money, about wealth generation, uh, just in a broad sense that you see you know, from people that you meet through the podcast and that sort of thing? Yeah, I would say one of the biggest one is accumulation. They believe that the, the number, I mean, you see the commercials, right? You've seen the, what's your number? Uh, that was a a, a a funny commercial that was out there, you know, guys trying to like, shove his number inside the, you know, the carry on space inside of an airplane. Right. And, and but that has been drilled in our heads that net worth has value. And I'm not saying it doesn't have value, but you don't, you can't pay your bills with equity uh, in a stock. You can pay bills with equity in a house. You pay your bills with cash flow. And I think acute, this whole accumulation approach, which really goes really nice in tune with the uh, Wall Street mindset to say, give us your money, keep giving us your money, let us hold on it for as long as possible, and then we're going to make it as hard as possible to get it back. This approach of build a net worth, like have an account, it's on paper, you get to see how much is in there, versus you take control of it and see how much money you can get to flow back to you every single day. And so we focus more on building assets that create cash flows so that we can get the money flowing to us instead of away from us. Yeah, I, I would say another misconception is deferring taxes is a benefit to me. And I don't, I don't know where you stand on this, but if I ask 100 people, hey, what do you think taxes are going to do in the future? I don't care what background you're in, 100 out of 100 say, I think they're going up. They, they just have this knowledge in the back of their mind that something, they may not even understand how, but they just know that they're going up. So they know things don't get cheaper in general it, and that the government doesn't shrink in general intrinsically, even if they support it growing. Right. They, they know the stimulus checks that just got sent out has to come from somewhere, right? And, yeah. And, that, and that's going to mean taxes for somebody. They just hope it's not them. And so we, we would all agree to one side of that coin and then subsequently think that deferring taxes to a future date is to our benefit. And what we're saying is, ultimately, do you want to pay um, tax on the seed or on the harvest? If you ask a farmer, they're always going to say on the seed because the harvest is much more plentiful than that one seed, right? But that's what we do with our taxes every day in these qualified plans. Government's created them. And if the government creates it, we have to inherently believe that there's some reason why, otherwise aren't we getting manipulated at some point there in the transaction? And, and that's really what we point out. 
Yeah, the idea is very much similar to how politicians think in general. Politicians basically think in the short term because they're just in their office for four years, eight years, or what have you. Eventually, they're going to go on. They're not going to have to deal with any of the problems that come out about from creating all this money, uh, creating all this debt out of nowhere. Uh, and it's very similar to the idea that, oh, we can put off these taxes for now. That'll feel good. It feels good when I pay less of a, t- you know, maybe in a lower tax bracket because I put a bunch of money into my 401k. But that doesn't change the fact that it's those taxes are coming. It didn't eliminate the tax. Uh, it's really just pushing the can down the road in some ways. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah. And I would say anytime that uh, the government is intervening, we should be questioning it. In fact, uh, um, we, we actually think about it from my standpoint. I was in the mortgage business and um, I don't know if this is important to anybody, but to me, it was kind of telling. They had something come out in 2003. It was the American Dream Down Payment Act. Sounds like a really great thing, right? And man, everybody needs the American dream. Like this is going to be a way for everybody to own a home. And what did that ultimately lead to? But to people getting mortgages, this is when I started in 2003, no lie. I was learning about how to do mortgages and people passed me guidelines and said, hey, this is the Nina program. Are you you familiar with that, Mark? I'm not specifically. Okay. The Nina, not, not to be confused with like the, the pilgrims, how they came over on the Nina, the Pinta and the Santa Maria. This is the Nina program where it's no income and no assets required to buy a house. I thought it was, uh, I, I remember hearing Ninja, yep. no asset, or, there you uh, go. no income, no jobs. Is that the same yeah, thing? Yeah, that is, that was even more of an improvement. Uh, <laughs> like, let's add a J, because we didn't make this ridiculous <laughs> enough yet. So, and, and even me, I couldn't even hardly spell mortgage at the time. And I said that, I said, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Like, logically. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not that smart, but I knew that that didn't make sense. And here we were, you know, just four or five years later in a ridiculous catastrophe because government intervenes and says this is important. So anyway, that's uh, more beating that uh, beating that drum even further. I want to kind of butt in uh, with the voice of the common person who might not really understand uh, economics or mortgages and this, this sort of thing, because a lot of people might hear what you're saying and say, well, isn't it great? Isn't it great if someone who is struggling in life is still able to afford to have their own home, is still able to, through this assistance or this program, able to have something we all dream of, the American dream, to have their own home? What is the problem with that? Well, the problem is, is that ultimately there's responsibility that comes with owning any of these things. And if it's if it gets out of whack, then what we've done is we've created a boom that never should have happened. And so malinvestment starts to take place. And that's where we, we start to see these economic cycles that we all end up living through some way, some, some form, but it affects way bigger than just that one person. Well, what you see is that you see uh, house prices go through the roof. And that's what right now people are experiencing that with colleges, right? Everybody's talking about student loan debt and how outrageous it is and how we should have this, this debt taken away from us. Well, what created the debt from the beginning? It was the government getting into the student loan lending business, right? Because if we didn't have that, we would actually have lower prices because we would have less demand for, for college education. And that's what, what we saw in the early 2000s is that houses housing prices went through the roof. You had a three bedroom, two bath that normally sell for 120,000 going for 250, right? You saw people like flipping houses every two to three years for, for two times what they were, uh, what they bought it for. And it was like, Oh, this is amazing. Well, all that was, was artificial demand created by 
people maybe with good intentions who want to own their home. There's nothing wrong with the wanting to own a home, but you have to be able to afford to pay for it. And that, that artificial, uh, like free money basically that was coming into the system was unsustainable at the rate at which it pushed up the price of housing. Sure. I mean, if you can get a house without income, without a job, without assets, <laughs> then what is to prevent house housing prices from not just keep you know, continuing to rise and rise and rise? Because the only thing that's going to keep those prices down are you know people sort of ha- having a limited budget and having to compete for all those houses. But suddenly, when anybody can get a house, anybody can get a loan, there's really no limit. And we saw we saw the results of that, of course, in 2008, which you both experienced in real time. Yeah, yeah you're, you're exactly. right. I mean, the, you get to see, you know, I don't know if you ever read the book, um, that the big short, right? I know they came out with the movie, but they talk about some. Saw the movie. Yeah, they, they, they break down situations like that, especially in the movie where they're down in, I think, Miami, and they're knocking on doors, and it's like these empty houses. <laughs> and it's where people have been buying houses with just fake money. They didn't have income, didn't have a job, didn't have assets, but hey, I can buy a house. That's awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> it's just another one of those examples of something that feels good. It feels good in the moment. It feels good to probably have the house or to live in this nice house. But if you're not looking at the reality behind that, you, know, you fail to realize that you're just pushing a problem further down the road while it grows and grows and grows. Yeah. Well, and so kind of from our perspective, like looking at all of these things, we we believe kind of we follow uh, an Austrian economics approach, which some people would call that common sense, <laughs> right? common sense <laughs> economics, right? Get the government out of uh, the uh, business of impacting economic decisions. And that's really through the Federal Reserve impacting uh, interest rates. We can actually see the marketplace really at work at hand. And, and so that kind of comes down to everything we talk about. It. The, when we're talking to our clients, they're looking for ways to put cash in their pocket and they really want real assets, things that they can touch, things that, uh, that's been around the test of time and not as this artificially created syndicated stuff that we see on the um, space today, like mutual funds, for instance, which is a big, huge uh, uh, you know, boom for, for the stock market. We're seeing right now, you know, we're in the uh, recording this in June 2020. We're seeing the stock market and the economy so disconnected as ever before, right? You're seeing 30% of American jobs have been shed. We've got crazy, stupid things happening all over the place. We've got rioting, which is burning businesses um, and cities to the ground, yet the market continues to roar. H- how are those two things in line? And, and for us, we, we want to come back to say, let's get to common sense. Let's find things that can work and we can has stood the test of time and we can control without working on this hope-based strategy, which is so prevalent right now. How do you guys explain exactly what is going on in the stock market right now? Because even just on a personal level, I'm I'm furloughed from my job and my stocks are going up. So I don't even know what, what to be happy or sad about anymore. But how, how do you kind of explain what's going on out there to the average person who might be like me or might, might just be in a tougher financial situation than they were six months ago? And then they're looking at the stock market and they're, they're just thinking, well, how can this how is there any relation to what's going on in the real world? Here? <laughs> well, be honest with you, like I'm going to speculate like what people do in the stock market is speculate <laughs> because they're really isn't any corollary that you can look to and say, oh, that's the reason. Now, I will say that, you know, the the market for 2020 is up um, just a smidge or I'm actually kind of flat right now. We've kind of jumped around a little bit, but uh, 495 stocks out of the S&P 500 are down, but you got five, which are the tech stocks, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, um, those companies that are holding Apple and uh, whichever one, Amazon, I haven't mentioned there, those five are holding the marketplace. Clearly, those tech stocks have, have seen a spike because of what's going on, right? They've got a lot of people 
that are buying through Amazon, clearly Google, all the internet tech companies, people are having to move their businesses online. And so they're seeing a lot of boom there. People are having a market online through Facebook and so forth. You're seeing those stocks hold the market. But the reality is if you look at the underpinnings of it, it's government intervention. The government's you know, bailing out companies again. This is a, a tired old strategy they've been doing for years. They, the, the rich keep getting richer, right? I mean, it, it goes back to uh, they don't allow what needs to happen, which is allow the companies that haven't run their book businesses right or are completely outdated to, to, to fail. They need to. And then allow new innovation to come up and keep prices low. We're seeing just tons of government intervention, tons of money going into the system. And you keep pouring fake money into it. I mean, I can dump out a monopoly game and give you a bunch of money. That's really what we're seeing. And that's what the stocks are right now. Well, and I I would say in order for me, I I don't have to answer, unfortunately, for what's going on in the stock market, except to just really bring people back to what the, the, the reason they would ask me that question is because they know it doesn't make sense. Right. They know it can't. I mean, the fundamentals of what they thought the market was based off of are not there. And they're they're just as confused. So I don't I know I don't have to take up and have any responsibility for that, except to say there is a different way. And yes, you should be looking into it. (laughs) That's really what it It seems like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It seems like in many ways what's happening right now, and we can speculate or conspiracize all we want about how much of it's intentional and how much is just a natural result of these policies, but there seems to be a sort of a concentration of wealth building in certain hands, while most people, the small businesses, the entrepreneurs, uh, the, the regular worker are just getting wiped out by all the job loss and by their businesses just being attacked, obviously, by through the lockdowns is a, a big part of all this. Uh, but now the ones that survive, and maybe the numbers make it all look good, it's going to be those giant corporations that's can survive this thing. I mean, the local liquor store is clo- was closed down, but but you know, Walmart's doing great. Uh, this <laughs> seems to be a trend that's that's going to be continuing here. Um, you know, where do you see all this going? Just to, if, if things continue on this course, where it seems the government only seems to have one solution to it. That is, every few months pass another bill with a few trillion dollars extra extra in it. Send a little bit to the people, maybe a small little check there, and send the rest all to our friends in, in the biggest corporations. Well, where do you? I'm going to let you jump in there, but I want to mention something that you just said. So. Uh, there's actually a book out there, and we'll, we'll reference it a couple of times, The Becoming Your Own Banker book by a man named Nelson yeah. Nash. But he, in one of his introductory chapters, Mark, he says this, and I think it's pertinent to what you just said. He said, as some authoritative... That was some speedy, that was some speedy uh, uh, quote looking up. I yeah, say, well... Because I, 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 on the video, I can see you have a physical book in front of you, and you found that quote. It, yeah. It's a short book. So, well, yeah, it's a short <laughs> one. I've read this book a handful of times, maybe 50, so I, I know... I'm pretty sure your reviews of the book are, are a lot longer. Than <laughs> Here, here's what he says right at the very beginning, part one. He says, if some authoritative power distributed all the money in the world equally among all the people in the world, within 10 years' time, 97% of all the money would be under the control three percent of the people there you go and i i think that goes to what you're just saying that what happens is it doesn't matter what they do they know they can distribute all that money out ultimately it's going to come back to the hands that they want to have and and they're there are they are picking right like you just said they're they're really uh, picking which companies uh, will, will make it and which ones want and I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen i you know i pray we're going to have a revolution in the um economically uh and, I'm, you know, being a Christian, I, I hope we <laughs> we have a spiritual revolution in our country, something that goes back to moral values. I, there's a lot of things that are not working, but also I think that you know we we focus on free contracts with free people, and I think as long as we can continue to build a foundation personally 
and our, our audiences are trying to do this as well, is find things that, um, that can bring them out of the system as hand. So where we don't have to be as impacted. And I will say this, I, that outside of jobs, outside of health, our client base have been primarily unaffected through this because where they have built their wealth and what they're doing with it was not based on an accumulation approach. It was a cash flow approach. And sure, some of them had real estate, some of those real estate properties, um, you know, the people in them couldn't pay the mortgage and they, they had a couple of months off. Some of them were flipping land and some of those people who were buying the land from them had to take a month or two off. But as a whole, uh, we're seeing businesses continue to prosper in the, in the spheres that we're focusing in. Hey there, kitty cats. I need to take a quick time out here to tell you about another awesome libertarian podcast. This is our good friends, Nate and Charlie, over at Good Morning Liberty. These son of a guns, they do this thing five days a week, and they absolutely kill it. Uh, these guys are both musicians, and they both actually own a business working in the healthcare IT industry. So they've seen a lot of what goes on in a highly intervened-in market like healthcare. So they have a lot of great insights, and they really do a bang-up job talking about current events and really speaking to a lot of the news that's in the headlines and filtering it all through the ideas of liberty and kind of uh, shutting down socialist solutions that come up. So you can find more by subscribing on all your favorite podcasts app. Wherever you listen to this one, you can probably find, not probably, you can definitely find Good Morning Liberty, or you can check out their website, BernieLies.com. What a great name. Head over to BernieLies.com or search for Good Morning Liberty. You are not going to regret subscribing to this awesome show. All right, so let's dive into this concept a little bit. This is a, a concept that I've had some trouble wrapping my head around. I haven't done like a, the, the deep dives that you guys have done on this concept, but this concept about being your own banker, uh, infinite banking, where do you want to start with this? Because I, I think it's, it's something that is difficult for people to really wrap their heads around at first. So, you know, what's, uh, I guess, the, uh, why don't we start with sort of a layman's definition of, of what exactly this is, how it differs from the normal uh, ideas behind banking and insurance and that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I will jump in here, Julian. I'll let you kind of uh, pick up the pieces, sure. which I'll leave plenty of pieces. But I, I would say from a very um, high arching view, there is only two ways we can buy things. We're always dealing in borrowed money. You're either going to use someone else's money to buy something, and that could be an, an asset or an expense, right? And you're going to borrow their money and you're going to pay them interest for it. Or you're going to use yours and give up interest that you could have earned. And the concept of becoming your own banker is really, how do I put myself in a position where I can store capital in a place that I can access that's protected from governments, protected from creditors, and protected from inflation and other things? And then I can use that money to do the things, whether it's uh, buy something, cars, houses, or invest in businesses, real estate, you name it. Lending. Lending. How, how do I perform the function, the middleman, which we know exists in lots of different things. And um, in the financial world, the banks are the middleman. You know, in the healthcare world, um, the, the health insurance companies are the middleman. How do we perform that middleman function and keep the juice and the control is, is what I would say from basic level. What would you add, Joy? Yeah, and I, I think it really boils down to realizing what is going on. In fact, Nelson Nash, the author of that book, Become Your Own Banker, he said, if you know what's going on, you, you'll know what to do. And I think bringing that back to like even current day, you asked a good question. Well, what's going to happen? What's going on right now? We talked about what's going on and, and where is this headed? And I think there's some confusion, right? We don't exactly know what's going on, but we know 
that somebody is in control and we're not, right? Somebody else is manipulating the situation. But once you, pretty much everyone out there seems to have a sense that something is going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hard to pinpoint what. Everybody's well, something not good. It's gotten everybody's attention. I can assure you on that. But I think at the very baseline, what Russ is talking about is if we understand what's going on in a bank situation and the profit and the benefit that being the actual banker in your own life, if you can really establish that, then doing that function, if you can figure out the way to do it, makes all the sense in the world. Okay. Well, let's, let's give an example. All right. Okay. So, so you, you've seen a bunch of examples over time. You were in the mortgage industry, right? There was lots of people who were coming to you who had lots of assets. They, right. they had tons of money, say, in stock markets or whatever. And they would come and borrow money from Wells Fargo, but, but they were also customers of Wells Fargo, right? They, <laughs> That's they'd, right. They'd have tons of money sitting in checking accounts because they know, hey, things like what's going on right now could happen. I need to have access to that money. I need to be able to run my business. What happens if you know, I have a slowdown in my business? I better have you know, one to two months of you know, retained earnings there that I can help pay you know, my employees' salaries, whatever it may be. So they store tons of cash in banks, they store, they go out and buy bank stocks, for instance. That's but right. Then they turn around and they come borrow money from the same bank that they got all their money in. And then what they don't get is that the money being lent to them is whose? When you put it this way, it's their own. It's, it's their own. It's money. their own when money. You, really, I mean, it is. The, when now, you really lay it out like now, that, I, I really, would say that almost sounds like a scam. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, actually, here, that but. is partially true. <laughs> One tenth is their money. Nine tenths right. is actually fake money, right? right, right. The fractional reserve. So there's scam a thing called essential. fractional reserve lending. Are you familiar with this? Right, I certainly. So am. yeah, we we know that the banks can lend money that don't even exist. But what has to start mm -hmm. the money to be lent is the deposit that goes in. And so from our they need the one dollar from me, so they can make up the other nine. <laughs> yeah, to do that's right. They, they love it. And <laughs> and for us, we think about this as that's the free market, right? Uh, it's an amazing <laughs> market. If you and I were smart enough to get. Think about when you get paid, where is the first place your money goes? Uh, well, for me, it goes to, you know, buying food and, and that sort of thing. But before that, so, yeah, my check, my checking account. it goes into their account. Right. That's right. Right, right. right. You get it directly. Yeah, they get it first before I You do. get it directly <laughs> deposited. Unless somebody's handing you pesos or greenbacks, right? And, and right now and in the U.S. Sometimes here in Mexico, that is how that's, it works. That's right. <laughs> in, uh, in, in America right now, they're even talking about doing away with the dollars because they're afraid they're passing COVID, right, with, uh, right. with actual oh, currency. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, well, talk about conspiracies. That's that's definitely one of them. Speak about that. You're talking about conspiracy. That is an excellent way to get the money into the bank faster. And, right. and I won't go take us all the way back to the creature of Jekyll Island and everything that's gone on uh, with, with everything that happens with the Federal Reserve, the central banking system, and every, uh, the, the IRS being created. But we know that where uh, whoever holds the gold makes the rules. And mm -hmm. this whole concept of becoming your own banker is really about, like Joey said, figuring out where the problem is, is that I, I need access to capital and I've been storing my money in places the government's been telling me, like my 401k and IRA and stocks and other things that are really not liquid assets for me. And then I'm going when I need to buy stuff because of this consumerism that we live in, right? Is built in, and believe me, I'm a big purchaser of things. So I'm not, you know, I, I'm not a, a minimalist in that regard. Well, Who doesn't like stuff? Yeah, <laughs> I love stuff, right? I'm a, I've got those creature comforts. We, we, we need to go buy things. We are now buying things that are overpriced and we're going and borrowing those on terms from the same banks we've been 
sticking our money in. And they are. They're lending our money back at a premium. And just, just to kind of like quantify that, because everybody would, would agree, like they kind of start nodding their head. Yep, yep, okay, I get it. There's a deposit. And then I, I in some cases you- I've been nodding my head for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> I can attest. You go back to that same bank and they're like, hey, by the way, Mark, you're such a great client of our bank. We're going to give you a discount on borrowing, borrowing from us, right? <laughs> Man, I mean, we just want to thank you so much for being a good customer so we can lend you your money back, right? That's not what they say. They leave that part out. But, but let's quantify this a little bit. And we're just going to use a little bit dated here, maybe a few years old numbers, but use Bank of America for existence or for a situation here. They had um, about $860 billion on the books. Am I right? Am I telling you right here? $860 billion on deposit, okay? That same year, they created $44 billion of interest and fees from those, that money that they borrowed out. So I forget the loan volume, but it, at least the interest that they received from that loan volume was $44 billion, okay? So that's about, um, what, what's that percentage? It's a little over 5%. A little over 5 okay. And they subsequently paid the depositors, the people that put the $860 billion on deposit with them, two, or 0.2%, excuse me. I'm sorry, I'm trying to get my numbers right here. And so, so subsequently, they have paid somebody point two. They received five point two, I believe the number is. And most people would say, "Well, that's a five percent spread, right?" They paid out point two. They received five point two. It's five percent spread. That sounds fair. I mean, they're a bank. They're they've got overhead, so on, and so forth. They don't get to keep all of that money. That's right. But in actuality, they never had a dollar in the fight. It was the $860 billion that was on deposit that they lent out and they only had to pay back interest for use of that money. So the real difference is 2,600%. Wow. Now, 2,600% returns. If somebody was going around and saying, hey, Mark, you know what? I got a great deal. I can give you 100% return. You'd be like, this is a scam. Sign me, sign me right sign up. Me sign up, me right up, but I don't scam. believe you. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but a bank can make 2,600%, I mean, out of thin air. This is amazing business. And here's what we're talking about. Doesn't it make sense to figure out how to become the banker in your own life instead of abdicating that to somebody else? And that's really the baseline of what we're talking about. Well, and for Mark to kind of clear uh, the, the air on this side, what I think is, our, our approach starts with taking control, right? We, we, we feel like we've got to be responsible for ourselves. We can't uh, be dependent upon the government. And, and in order to do that, that means we're going to have to take responsibility. That It doesn't matter that I grew up in a broken home. It doesn't matter that I grew up with my mom as a school teacher. My dad is like a general contractor. I, it doesn't matter that I, I went to one of the worst public schools you can possibly be in. And it was easily for me that to be... Uh, involved in crime or drugs or other things. All of those things surrounded me growing up. I needed to find a way to rise up out of that. I had to educate myself because I can assure you the school system that I was going to is not teaching me these subject matters. Oh, your school didn't teach you how to be your own banker? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I go, <laughs> shocked. Yeah, there, there, was, uh, there was some stealing going on, but not that kind of legalized stealing, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, but then I go and I, I join up what I think is the, the right way. I go through the traditional financial methods and I, I think I'm going to learn. 
And all I'm learning is another way to get people dependent upon something else, right? Get people dependent upon supposedly people who are smarter, who can do better job with their money. And you guys just go do your own thing. Now I, I realized from what Joey and I have just observed through our, our time in this industry and, and have helped, you know, champion people into is that they take control over the function. And that starts with learning and investing in themselves. That starts with putting money in places that they can touch and access. And then it goes into freeing their mind to what's possible. And the becoming your own banker is really just a window. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the movie, The Matrix, right? <laughs> but I, I, I think about this when it relates. It's just the pill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think about people when they, they start down this road of becoming your own banker is really they're taking that red pill. And, and now the world gets opened up and the opportunities, whether it is in running their own business, investing in businesses that they can impact and understand, whether it's in lending, whether it is in a real estate of 5 million different types, because we, we see it all, it, there lies the control. We're not socially or uh, solely economically dependent on ourselves. We have the ability to get money to flow to us through our effort and through under uh, through education. And I think that there is what becoming your banker meant to me. And I've seen it impact just hundreds, if not thousands of lives since we've been doing this for the last 15 years. All right, so let's say you're someone listening to this program right now and you're sort of first hearing about these concepts for the first time. Maybe you've sort of done things in the standard way. Uh, you've put some money in savings account. Your direct deposits go to your checking account. You invest in your 401k like you're supposed to. You're doing all the standard things, but you're feeling that sense of anxiety, that sense of, I don't control my own wealth. I don't control my own situation. I have to go beg for my own money back in, in many situations. What would be just a first step that someone can take? Besides, of course, heading over to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com and listening to your podcast. Besides that, which we encourage everybody to do, what's just like some basic first steps that people can take to send themselves down this path? Well, the good news is, is that we've given you a lot of tools to do this on your own. But it really comes down to, first of all, if you don't have that point where you're fed up, you're never going to make a change. So, for that person that's listening says, yes, I'm agreeing. They're nodding this whole time. And they're saying, this makes all the sense in the world. I just didn't know it existed. I knew there was something wrong in the back of my mind, but didn't know there was a different way. First of all, that's the first step. Second of all would be, we got to think about cash flow and where are we really heading, right? Freedom in financial terms in our mind, financial freedom really comes down to you have to create another another stream of income, a passive type income that will exceed your monthly expenses. Okay, if that's possible, one, we have a really high value on educating ourselves as Russ has been saying. So we've created these different courses in our community that you can go and do. So what I would say is really quick before you jump there, the first thing you could do, Mark, is you could just sit down and, and write down the, this formula. Financial freedom equals passive income is greater than monthly expenses. And you could fill that out for yourself. You could say, how much income do I have coming in monthly that I don't have to trade my time for in the form of a job? Now, we have people that are real estate investors. We have people who own businesses. And when I say business owners, I don't mean uh, people who are self-employed. People who have you know, can leave, go down to Mexico for six months, come back, and the business right. is still running at a, at a pace higher than when they left it, right? Right. We, we write down those numbers, and then write down what your monthly expenses are. And for most people, and this goes to me too, 
when I first did this, my, my passive income number was like 500 bucks. <laughs> and I can assure you my monthly expense number was much higher than $500. Right. Because when you do that exercise, that one simple thing, now you have a mark. Now you have a goal. We, we, we were talking to someone yesterday. She's over in Hawaii. She did this exercise with herself about seven years ago. Her monthly expense number was $12,000. Wow. And she said, now this is Hawaii, 12000 That's slumming it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess in Hawaii, yeah. It's all, it's all about the content. That's right. It's slumming Mexico it, right? Mexico here, that I can live for a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, $12,000 a month where you are down there will go a long way. But Absolutely. in Hawaii, that, that's, you know, that's bottom. So she, she then had her target. She had zero in passive income. Well, as of yesterday, when we were talking to her, she had 72 rental properties that were bringing in about $15,000 a month. Wow. She still had her, her, her day job that she loved. Her husband still uh, was doing his business that he loved. But what she told me on the phone is that I'm at financial freedom. I work because I want to. That's the first thing someone can do because if you don't know, as Joey said earlier, what the problem is, the problem is, is you don't have freedom because your monthly expenses, whatever those are, and I know there's a, 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 you know, a financial guru out there that says debt is dumb and just crushes debt. Get rid of it. Get out of it. But still, I think I know who you're referring to. <laughs> but that still does not do away with food, gas. I mean, taxes, the basic necessities of Healthcare. life. It, that there's still going to always be an expense until you die, right? And it, I guess after, it's going to be a little bit after you die because you're going to put some expense after you die, right? But <laughs> right, right. you got to put something that passive income costs. You have to know those numbers. Once you get that, then, Joey, I would say you, you can share some of those. Yeah, and th the point was that you, your budget is important. So we've created courses that teach you how to um, even automate your budget. It's a really cool, very unique way of thinking about it. And look for ways in which your cash flows maybe are going away from you and they're at a higher amount than they should be. So this is, give examples. What are some things, like let's get real tangible okay. things as we start to wrap up. Tangible things where money are going away. One of the biggest things is how you pay debt or your mortgage. Some people, and this is something we didn't get to earlier, but a misconception is, oh man, I need to pay off my mortgage in 15 years instead of 30. Well, why is that? Why do you think the bank gives you a little bit of a discount on your interest rate? Is it because they really want to help you out or they want to help themselves out? I'm guessing I can, I can answer for you. It's always going to be so for their benefit. A, a larger volume of money coming to them, even though the interest rate is cheaper, but they're going to be able to turn that money around. Not to mention what we were just talking about before with the government. Fractional um, reserve. Yeah, banking. Printing money. <laughs> The more money they print, the less it's worth. So the banks know that. They want to get the money back as fast as possible because it's worth more today than it will be in 30 years. So they'll give you a cheaper rate. The other thing is that people are putting money into government-sponsored plans, 401ks, IRAs. These are places that they are locking up money, prisoners, if you will. Now, thankfully, right now, we're, we're working in an environment where this CARES Act has actually opened the door for people to be able to access up to $100,000 in the form of withdrawal, and $100,000 in the form of a loan against their 401ks. And we've got people in herds doing that. They're, they're saying, free my friend. Finally. <laughs> right. Let's give our money freedom. So those are ways and places that people are putting money, unnecessarily paying extra towards their mortgage, unnecessarily paying extra towards their debt payments, and also putting money in these qualified plans. And once they see that and they realize this formula that we're talking about, they're like, wait a minute, 
I can make just some small changes and have some pretty big swings cash flow wise coming back into my control and into my family and my, my personal economy, then I can start saving really efficiently and then start using it to create this passive income that we're talking about. So it's, that's a, kind of the process, the steps we're talking about. Essentially, you want to get people to stop trapping their money in uh, some kind of program or some bank where they not only can they not access it without massive penalties, normally, luckily right now you can, so this would be a great time to start taking some of this advice, uh, but you're helping a bank get rich instead of yourself get rich. Meanwhile, you could divert that money in other ways and actually make yourself, like you guys are saying, and advocating for becoming your own banker. So I think this is advice that everybody out there can use. I really want to encourage you people, as I told you guys before the show, I've been binging your show a bit, and I really love what you guys are doing over there. So I want to personally encourage people to head over to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com uh, to start listening to what you guys are talking about, just start getting your mindset in a different way first. I think that's maybe step one. You know, you don't have to just sign up today and and put, put institute the whole plan, but uh, just to start to get your mind thinking in a different way, thinking in terms of income, in terms of accumulation. I think that is a very difficult mindset to change from just because it's been driven into our heads for so long uh, through all of our systems, our educational system, our, our media. I mean, every way we get it, it's telling us save, 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 not invest, 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 so you can have actually a passive income. I don't think the I don't think it's the words passive income were ever mentioned to me once through all of my schooling including college no and it's shocking never, it never in mind either is and by the way probably not doesn't mean uninvolved right there's things like joey and i are starting up a short-term rental business as we speak uh, we're on a call uh, once a week with the guy who's helping us uh, get that that started obviously we got money that are involved joey and i are involved in a business that that flips land and we get in, we get involved both from we, we, we take advantage and, and do some education in that but then we hire the people to actually do it. So there is involvement, but it doesn't mean that you have to be the one that makes it all happen. Mark, is it okay as we wrap up to, to share uh, maybe a free link to, to your audience to be able to get access Certainly. to this sort of content? If I know my audience well, they like free stuff. Okay. <laughs> all right. They like to pay for stuff too, but free stuff. Yeah. Well, when you go into wealthwhitewallstreet.com, if you'll hit forward slash Lions of Liberty, we actually created uh, just a, a free page for you guys to join our community. Uh, one of the things that we did is we knew that there was lots of other people that were seeking freedom who wanted independence and but didn't know where to find it, right? And didn't know where all those tools were. And like, and we don't want people to have to go spend uh, tens of thousands of dollars searching for things that may end up being a waste of their time. And so what we did is that we created a community. We invested in that community. We put a lot of time and energy creating free resources. So we did create that community. If you go there, the first thing it'll tell you to do is take our financial freedom course. It's a free course, but inside of that course is like, it's actually like six courses uh, jam packed in there. And it will take you through the tools that, um, that can help you build the, the foundation. And then you can go out and seek the things that you want to go um, and, and take um, action on that can help you reach the goals of becoming financially free. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, Joe, any last words? I know you guys got to hop off here, but if you have anything uh, final to say, we'll, uh, we'll sign you guys off. No, I, I just, I'm just really grateful that we could have this conversation today. And I feel like you know, we're very like-minded in the sense that we all are looking for the same goals, right? We want less and less of people holding us back from where we really want to be. And finances, I'm, I'm just grateful you brought us on because finances if we can be free in all these other areas of our life and yet that part has a grip on us, it is so important. I mean, it is the number one place, in my opinion, if you don't have freedom there, 
all the other places are going to be affected. So anyways, I'm, I'm just grateful you had the foresight to bring us on and to, uh, to be able to share this, this news with your folks. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. And uh, like we were kind of talking before the show, there's maybe no time better than right now, no matter what your situation, whether you're on a furlough from your job, whether you're completely unemployed, whether your business is failing. If if tragedy is is befalling you right now, what better time to reassess everything that has led to this point? Because uh, if you were if you may have been following this advice for the last 10 years, you might not be having the same problems. Uh, so I just want to encourage people again, please do check out specifically wealthwithoutwallstreet.com slash Lions Liberty. Please go to that uh, very specific link and check out what these guys are doing. Russ, Joey, thank you guys so much. I appreciate all the work you're doing out there. So keep it up. Keep on roaring. Thank you. Our pleasure, man. Thank you. All right, kitty cats. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Russ and Joey from Wealth Without Wall Street. Please do check out wealthwithoutwallstreet.com slash Lions of Liberty for some, some free access to some free stuff from some cool dudes. And uh, I want, I'd love some feedback on the kind of shows I've been doing lately, getting a little bit outside the libertarian box. Not that they aren't libertarians. I actually have no idea. I haven't discussed libertarian philosophy with them, but yeah, if you hear them speak, you can kind of, you know, you can kind of get where these guys are coming from, especially when they're talking about things like the federal reserve and that sort of thing. There's a lot of, a lot of libertarian red meat there, my friends. You just got to go find it and grab a nibble. So please do grab a nibble of this great advice from these guys over at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com slash lions of liberty. Please do grab a nibble or two of our Patreon. Our patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty is where we have all of our bonus audio and video content. We just did a live stream the other day reviewing the movie Akira, the anime movie Akira. That will eventually come out in the public feed, but the Pride already got to see it. They got to see it live on video. Uh, we actually did that for our Nittany Level member this month, which is Michael Wharton. Uh, he chose that movie for us to review because every month, one of our $50 per month members at the Nittany Level over on Patreon gets to produce an episode of this program. So that was what he chose for us to do. And, and the, really, though, the, there is free reign on this, too. You can do a movie review. You can give us a topic. Uh, John Odermatt actually interviewed Lynn Ulbrich last month. Uh, that was Tyler's request um, you know, to, to talk to her. So really, there's no limit to what you can do with this. You can have us review a movie, uh, dig into a conspiracy. I'll bring over the Conspiracy Corner crew. Whatever you want us to do, we shall do because you are the producer. So really, a fun perk there at the Nittany level. You can check out all of our various levels, all of our various levels of perks. You can get free mugs, free t-shirts, free posters, all sorts of stuff. And of course, exclusive access to all of our bonus audio and video content. Our Patreon is what funds this show. And for now, our Patreon also, 10% of it anyway, funds our friends at DonorSea. I just had Greg Glyer on last week for an update on all the projects they are doing to help people that are being affected by lockdowns around the world. And they're making a big push to end the lockdowns, particularly in third world countries. So please do consider that. Uh, when considering supporting us, you're not supporting us only. You're also supporting a great cause. Uh, please do check out that interview I did with, with Grant if you want to learn more about the projects we've been funding. Uh, if you just tick back a couple of nods in your podcast feed, which I hope you have hit that subscribe button by now. Man, we have so much going on here. You got me with the flagship show every single Monday, and then Brian swoops in for his weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty every single Wednesday on Electric Liberty Land while John Odie Odermatt wraps things up with his incredibly amazing, hard-hitting, and inspiring look at the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday. You got to hit subscribe and you'll get them all and it's free. So it's a great deal. Three for the price of one. The price is free. My Lord, it doesn't get much better than that, my friends. And until next time, I bid you adieu with one simple request to please live long and live free.